You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge. Now, Outdoor Edge is a knife company. We all know that. They offer a complete line of fixed blade knives, replaceable blade knives, and game processing kits, right? So any blade you need to break down an animal, these guys have it. Now, the cool thing about their replaceable blades is let's say you are in the middle of breaking down an animal and the blade goes dull. The only thing you have to do is push a button the blade pops out, you put a new blade in, it locks in tight, and you're back to breaking down that animal. You get it cooled down, you get it back to the truck faster, and you get more meat in the long run. So if you want to find out more information about all the blades, fixed, replaceable, and game processing kits that Outdoor Edge makes, visit their website outdooredge.com and if you want to save 30% on your purchase enter the discount code nation30 that's n-a-t-i-o-n 30 and that's outdooredge.com What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. This episode is one of those shoot-from-the-hip episodes. It's a good old-fashioned BS session, and I have to give you a little uh, breakdown about how this all happened, right? So I had a guest back out today. I needed to get a podcast out because I ran out of all the... uh, the podcast that I typically use in case of a back out, right? So I go to Instagram. I say, who wants to podcast with me? Garrett Johnson from Minnesota. It's the first person to reply. And he's like, man, I'll BS with you. So this is that podcast. And it was a matter of, I want to say, an hour from the time he responded to the time we started recording and that's pretty cool so this is a good old-fashioned bs session we're going to talk about uh his balance his work hunt family balance we talk about uh balancing this this is a a great episode about balance right and you're going to listen when you listen to this podcast you're going to find out why i should have titled this episode balance now that I think about it but it is just a good old-fashioned BS BS session I know you guys like those so we got to do a commercial real quick and that is lone wolf tree stands now you guys know I am a fan of lone wolf and their hang-ons right the alpha is their bigger platform I am a 
big fan of the assault. I like the smaller platform. I like running four sticks. And, dude, you can get anywhere. It, these tree stands allow you to get in crooked trees, right? Because I think one thing that we all kind of battle when we are starting out or learning how to be mobile hunters, and that is trying to find the perfect tree, right? And a lot of the other tree stands on the market, you have to have a straight tree in order to hang it. And I hate sitting in crooked trees or crooked tree stands. Uh, Lone Wolf allows you to balance that. It allows you to level it out. It allows you to sit comfortable in the stand. And it's lightweight. It's quiet. It's all the things that are important when it comes to making a move on a uh, on a buck that you've uh, located. And not just that, right? It, it's, it goes beyond that, right? It's more than just a mobile tree stand because it is also a really good tree stand, period. So if you're the kind of guy who likes to have his stand set up before the season starts, Lone Wolf is a great option. And, and for that, I would go with the Alpha. Just a little bit bigger of a platform allows you to move around a little bit more. But uh, either way, we're talking about a really good company, a really good tree stand made in America. So I've, I've just fallen in love with this company because uh, I've been using it for so long and I know that it works. So if you want to find out more information about all of their products, enter the disc. Whoa, I got to tell the website first. I jumped to conclusions there. LoneWolfHuntingProducts.com. Take a look at all of the products that these guys offer. And I do have a discount code here. Tick, 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 tick. Lone Wolf 9FC50. And that is going to save you $50 on all orders over $200. So roughly you're saving about 25% right there. LoneWolfHuntingProducts.com. That's the commercial. Please make sure you guys are following the Nine Finger Chronicles on Instagram and Facebook and the Sportsman's Nation as well. I'm done talking. Let's get into today's balance BS session. Three, two, one. All right. On the phone with me today, Mr. Garrett Johnson. Garrett, how we doing, man? I'm good. How are you, Dan? Can't complain. So I have to give a little background on how this episode kind of came together because I had an episode that was supposed to be recorded today at this exact time, but the guy bailed on me because he had something come up. And so I, I went to Instagram and I said, who's available at 3.30 for uh, a podcast? And you were the first person to respond. Therefore, you win. And here you are. Awesome. Luck of the draw. Luck of the draw, man. You might want to get a lottery ticket today. Yeah, I might have to. That'd be great. Although I would probably, I would probably pick winning a million dollars or more uh, than come on this podcast myself. Even. <laughs> hey, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. This might be better than a million bucks, Dan. It might. Oh, hey, man, that's awesome. I'll take it. I'll take it, <laughs> Garrett. So we're going to kick it off like we always do. Where do you live and what do you do for a living? Sure. I work up. I work in Minnesota and live in Minnesota, central Minnesota, Alexandria. Um, it's about two hours from Minneapolis and two hours from Fargo. So North Dakota. So I'm kind of right in the middle there. And uh, I'm a sales guy. I sell medical devices for Medtronic right out of Minnesota. So I cover Minnesota, North Dakota, and parts of South Dakota. So I spend a lot of time on the windshield 
hence why I uh, follow you and, you know, I've heard you over the last couple of years now a lot between your, your podcast and also wired to hunt. So, yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this, um, being a medical rep, cause I, I know a couple other medical reps and they basically sell equipment to hospitals, but then also some of the equipment, they have to be there in the room during surgeries just in case the uh, machine starts to fail and they they know how to fix it. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah, so I spend a lot of time in the OR, and uh, my main call point is neurosurgeons. So I spend a lot of time brain surgery, some spine surgery, and a little bit of ENT surgery. So, yeah, I'm in, I'm in helping the surgeons and the staff, making sure things go smoothly. All right, so I don't know what you can actually share, but do you have any crazy operating room stories uh, that you could share with us? Um, you know, there's <laughs> there's quite a few, I'm sure, but uh, you know, um, most of them are pretty tame for the most part. I mean, obviously, the field I'm in, it's a lot of brain surgery, so things are pretty intense and. Yeah. Um, obviously it's pretty delicate anatomy. So, um, yeah, I mean, things obviously get intense, but, uh, nothing too crazy, probably nothing I'd want to share. <laughs> <laughs> so you've actually seen a human brain before in a living person. Oh yeah. Man, yeah. Usually nuts. weekly. Yeah. <laughs> weekly. I see that. Oh, yeah, it's a yeah. weekly, weekly thing for me. Okay. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So no, it's, it's fun. So, um, man. I, I have so many questions for you about that, but we'll get to the topic and we're just going to BS. Okay. We're just going to BS about, um, uh, deer hunting, the outdoors fishing. And the response you gave me yeah. on Instagram was, Hey, I'm just a guy. I, you know, I'm just a medical sales rep who has four kids and I don't, you know, obviously hunt as much as I want to. And I, that's something I want to talk about because I've all, it's, it's not even August yet when we're recording this and my wife is already starting to get tense. She is starting (laughs) to, you know, she knows what's coming. So she's starting to pick, like, how long are you going to be gone? What are you going to do? How are these dates? Blah, blah, blah. We got to do this. Yeah. I want to do this. So I have three kids. How old are your kids? So I have a daughter that's 10, a son that's 9, another daughter that's 7, and another son that's almost 6. Okay. So it's uh, bing, 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 bing. So we were, we're in a busy world right now. Your, your guys are just starting the world of activities. Yeah, yeah, we're full swing. We got four hockey players and golfers and swimmers and dancers and yeah, so it's it's crazy, you know, and I think I think that's why I kind of relate to you and Mark and listen to you guys a lot because you often talk about the family and the reality of the kids and what that does to your passion for hunting and yeah. I oftentimes I'm sitting in my car and just hysterically laughing because it's it hits home. Yeah. So it's 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 a challenge obviously to to uh, be able to do your passion of hunting and obviously be a father at the same time. So yeah. and a husband. So let me ask you this. What do you how many uh weeks or days of vacation do you get in a year with your job? You know, 
it, it's a little ambiguous because um, we're complete. We're completely commissioned, so I could I could technically I guess take as many as I want, but you know that doesn't happen, and I I don't take a whole lot just because when I come back, then it's a complete chaos, just a storm that you don't want to weather. So right. um, even when I'm on vacation, I'm always checking my phone, my emails, my calls. You know, if, if there's a patient on a table and they need help and in the OR, it's, you know, unless I have someone covering, it's hard to not pick up the phone. So, yeah. So yeah, it, it depends though. You know, I, I take a family vacation, um, try to get out West, do a little elk hunting, um, you know, so I probably take, you know, four weeks vacation, three, four weeks, maybe. Okay. So how much of that do you try to dedicate to hunting? Um, I would say, you know, depending on the year, like this year, unfortunately, I'm not able to get out west elk hunting. Um, but I did last year and I would say, you know, it's sporadic, a day here, a couple days there. Um, but it's it's probably about a week and a half, okay. two weeks if I go out west. Okay. So two weeks out of your four that you say you take or whatever. What This is something that I, I've been hunting ever since I've known my wife. And my wife knows that yeah. the fall is, is for hunting. How? What is the conversation between you and your wife look like when it's time to talk about how much time you are going to dedicate to hunting every single year? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed in that respect, and I have a great wife, and, uh, you know, I am also blessed that I have some hunting land about 25 minutes from our house. Yeah. So a couple of buddies and I went in and bought some 150 acres, butts up to some state land as well. And so it's 25 minutes from my door to my hunting land door. And so for me, it's a lot of, you know, just heading up night trips, going up, maybe taking a couple of the boys with me or one of the boys with me. And so, you know, it's, it's an easier conversation than maybe some because, I can do it kind of sporadically and spontaneously and just go up for a day and come back that night. Um, so, you know, she, she's really good about it. She knows it's a passion and something that I love to do. And so, you know, she's really, I'm blessed and she's, she's been great. Gotcha. So right now, my kids, this, this fall might be the first year that I actually take my daughter into a tree stand with me right? She, she's not going to sit still. I'm basically just taking her out for the experience. So my, my question to you is, are your kids at this point able to come with you when you go hunting and thus, I guess, lessening the blow at home for your wife? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I do, you know, my passion is bow hunting, but I also do rifle hunting with the boys you know and that my boys come with me and my daughters my oldest daughter has been out bow hunting with me in the ground blind and so as far as rifle hunting goes you know i i was able i bought a nice enclosed stand and so just knowing that it was going to be a little bit more difficult to keep them quiet and still because i like to go out there for you know i like to sit all day if i can maybe go in for a little bit um, so I got a nice and close stand and that really helps. And 
my boys are great. I mean, they're troopers. They'll stay out there with me, you know, the majority of the day. And, you know, they, they also have their iPod or, you know, iPad, something like that, that they can kind of look at and plenty of good food too. So, so yeah, it definitely is easier now that the kids are able to come with me and, you know, the boys will go, we'll go deer hunting and the girls will go do something fun together too. So, I mean, that's the reality of it. It's, it's great at this point. We're in a great stage. Yeah. I'm, I'm thankful this year that my kids are, well, depending on what the school system decides to do, uh, here in Iowa, if it was a normal year, the, my kids would be at home or they would be going to school. So my son, he's going to be a full-time kindergartner. My daughter, she's going to be a full-time second grader. And she, uh, that just takes a big burden off of my wife because she works from home. And next year, my, my youngest son, he'll be in preschool, uh, man, like two days a week. Right. But then we have like, obviously at in the morning and in the night is when we hunt. So getting them ready for school and, you know, getting, putting them to bed, uh, and getting them fed is also a chore uh, for three kids, especially my kids. They're, yeah. I think they're technically yeah. technically wild animals. But um, <laughs> how have you how how have you balanced that? Because you know when you go out west, you don't bring any of your kids with you. No, no, I don't. And and when I do that, it's you know it's preparing. It's you know kind of I'm hoping to get on maybe in every other you know, every third year rotation, being able to head out West bow hunting elk. And, um, like I said, I did it last year and it's hard because I know there's been years in the past where I missed my daughter's first day of school and that was really hard. And, you know, my, my wife's understanding about it, but you know, nonetheless, it's hard for me to miss my daughter's first day of school, you know, and, and, you know, it's hard, you know, to, to juggle that. And, um, I think it's just, you know, a lot of communication with your wife and preparing for it and, you know, making sure the kids are aware if I'm going to be gone or, you know, but yeah, you're right. It's really hard. Yeah. That's one thing that, uh, I don't know. I'm in a weird spot because I, I can't say I have a television show, right. But I do do this for a living. Like I talk about hunting. So if I quit hunting or I hunted way less or, or wasn't as active in the scouting and the trail cameras and the pre and post season and, and going West and all that stuff, I would just have a lot less to talk about. And I need, I feel like I need to do a better job of explaining to my wife uh, that aspect along with the, like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, to be honest with you, because every single year, I, the first two weeks of November, I am going to do something or, uh, you know, like the yeah. weekend, like the first weekend in October, I'm going to, I'm going to go to, you know, I do this, these same things every single year and every single year, something comes up where my wife wants to do something with her friends or wants to do an event uh, or go somewhere on one of those weeks. And it's just like, listen, it's the same time every year. Am I, am I selfish in where I'm, where I'm saying like, listen, I, I do the same thing every year. Can't you do it another weekend? Am I selfish? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I guess I look at your situation, Dan, and it seems like, 
you're you're different than from where I'm at because you're doing it for a living, you know, for the most part, like you said. And you know, I guess if it's uh, at the point where that's getting you content for your shows and you know being able to come back talk about that and experience it obviously here in the hunting industry so it's kind of a work-related trip so to speak <laughs> and uh yeah i don't i don't think that's unrealistic and i don't think it's being selfish at all i yeah. mean it's kind of the what provides for your family so yeah but it's hard there's a delicate line there right <laughs> yeah and it's crazy because you know my wife if i said i'm gonna let's just say Every weekend and every night in October and the first two weeks in November and shotgun season here in Iowa uh, or rifle season up in Minnesota and late season hunting or whatnot. And I have these, I, I know guys who their, their wives are just like, yeah, dude, go. I don't care. Like, yeah, you can hunt. These guys are hunting 75 days throughout an entire hunting season and if i try to talk my wife into allowing me to do that i don't even know if the question would get answered it she would probably just like laugh and walk away you know what i mean yeah no i don't i I have buddies like that too and i don't know how they pull it off and you know the reality of it is too is as much as i love to hunt I love being around my kids too. And yeah. it would be hard for me to spend 75 days away from them just because of, you know, call it a selfish desire to go hunting. Right. It just wouldn't fly for me either. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I have buddies like that too. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Let me ask you about your, uh, your Western trips. Whenever you go on your Western yeah. trips, do you feel a sense of guilt when you, when you leave? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, you know, number one, they're not cheap, right? I mean, it's it's not cheap to get out there and, you know, hunt, get by the time you get your license, if you're driving, food, outfitter, whatever, you know, lodging. It's not cheap. And, you know, it's always hard because I'm, I'm leaving my wife with four kids, too. So, yeah. so there's definitely some guilt, I think, when I'm going. And, uh it, Obviously, there's tons of excitement and, you know, um, just being able to be out west for me is unbelievable in the mountains. And, you know, much like you, it's it's probably my most favorite place to be is out west, especially chasing elk. So, yeah, yeah, but it, it is hard. It's there's no way around it. If, if you feel guilty, yeah. And I, I think if you didn't, you know, I don't know what kind of man you'd be or husband <laughs> or what, you know. Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I, I tell you what. My sense of guilt doesn't come on the drive there. It comes when I lay my head to go to sleep the very first night. And yeah. that's like for me, that's really tough because yeah. uh I love my family obviously. I love being around them yeah. and, it, and I yeah. I love the the experience and the adventure. And I just, for some reason, I feel this extreme sense of guilt that sinks in, um, like the first night of a long distance hunt, or when I go even just an hour south to my main farm for my rut yeah. vacation, I, I just feel yeah. this sense of guilt that I'm letting my family down because I know it's hard for my wife and I know my kids want to hang out with their dad. So I wonder, 
Is there anything that you do to compensate for that, whether it's leading up to uh, a trip or after a trip or during the trip? Um, you know, I think it's just spending more time with the family, you know, doing something fun before. Um, and I try to talk to him as much as I can FaceTime him when I'm on a trip. Um, if that means driving into the town near us that night, just so I can FaceTime and tell the kids about what I saw or how things are going. And then, you know, when I get home too, it's spending more time with them, you know, talking about the trip or doing something fun as a family when I get home. And, you know, I just think as long as you're spending time leading up to and after, you know, I I think the kids are, you know, they understand. And for me, it's, I can't wait until the day when my boys and my girls want to at some point, but I know my boys will, you know, they're, they're already begging me, dad, when can we go out elk hunting with you? You know? And I mean, that's the day I really can't wait for is when I have both my boys out west. Oh, man hiking yeah. up the mountain. I mean, that's, that's going to be pretty special. Yeah. That'd be, that'll be fun. I, I'm definitely, yeah. I'm, I'm just looking forward. You know, I, you never want to rush anything. Right. But I, I'm looking forward yeah. to the day where I can just, they, they start to understand that you can't move and you can't talk and, and all these things, it, you know, obviously that's, yeah. that's on me to educate them about that. But there's yeah. something about like just being able to go and start doing it as opposed to just, you know, basically telling them to, you got to keep quiet. You got to do this, you know, you got to yeah. do this when, when yeah. they actually show hunting uh, interest in hunting and not necessarily just tagging along, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And, to that point, you know, I told you I bought a nice and close stand. First year we bought our land and I put it up and I wanted to bring the boys with me. And my, my youngest son, Grafton, was four at that point. And my oldest son, I think he was probably six at that point, seven. And uh, so we're out there. And I'd been chasing a nice whitetail that we had on our property. He was a really big eight-pointer, you know, long G2s, just heavy, big deer, big body deer. And uh, I'd been bow hunting them a little bit. I had some trail cams of them. And uh, so I'm out with my boys, and we, we had rifle at this point. And Doe comes in, and all of a sudden, here comes here comes this big eight-pointer coming in behind him. So I'm like, okay, boys, get ready. So, of course, you know, I had the, the earmuffs. So they're getting the earmuffs on and everything. And, and I've opened the window. I get the rifle out the window, and I'm like, I look at the over at the boys. I'm like, okay, boys, you ready? Dad's gonna shoot. Well, of course, my son's got the earmuffs on. He sees my lips moving. He doesn't hear me, and he goes, "What, Dad?" And he yells <laughs> it because he could he couldn't hear anything and he didn't know. And all of a sudden, that big A pointer looks up and boom, away he goes. Oh and I look at him, my, like, bud, no, you know. <laughs> And that's, I mean, that's like the true reality of hunting with little kids. You oh, know? It's man. Like, uh, and it's, it's been just an awesome story in our family now. It's kind of the joke, you know, what, Dad? And everybody <laughs> yells it. And yeah, yeah, just watch that big A-point run off. And, you know, but that's the reality of it. Yeah. It's, it's been an awesome story that I've been able to share, you know, and I share it with you. But, 
you know, I never did shoot that eight pointer. He's, I think he's still out there. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just the, the reality of hunting with little kids, but you know, he knows now, yeah. you know, because after that happened, we talk about it a lot and, you know, every year it gets easier with them and now he's, he's really into it. So it's, it's fun. What, what's cool about that whole, th- that whole story though, is you now have a story, even though it was yeah. some kind of mess up or screw up, <laughs> but it brings joy and happiness every time it's told, right? People get, ex- yeah. they laugh about it. And, you know, in 20 years when your son is, you know, maybe has a kid of his own or whatever, uh, he's going to be able to share that story and you guys are going to laugh. And then his kid is going to see you guys laughing about that story and want to go hunting with his dad because of it. And it's, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, it's awesome. So, I mean, that's the, that's what makes it all worthwhile. You know, being able to have stories like that, even though it'd have been nice to put my hands around that big eight pointer, but Hey, you know what? Now we can talk about this and laugh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We talked about our family a little bit. I want to, I want to chat with you about what hunting in Minnesota is like, um, because I get mixed reviews from people, right? Every time I talk about Michigan, right? Uh, for the most part, Michigan or Pennsylvania, people just talk, tell, tell me pressure, pressure, pressure. It sucks, you know, whatever. And and through the podcast, it's not necessarily true, but Minnesota is one of those States where, I hear good things about it and I also hear bad things about it. So where, where you hunt, how you hunt the area, the state, what's hunting like in central uh, Minnesota? Yeah. So central Minnesota is great hunting. Um, Alexandria is kind of a lakes country area. Um, And like I said, I'm just a little bit further North out of a town called Parker's Prairie, Minnesota. And the area that I hunt, the land that we bought, it's very, uh, it's all timber for the most part. We have a few fields and food plots in there, but for the most part, it's just heavy timber, uh, real nice rolling hills, ridges, um, you know, sloughs in there. So it's, it's great. I mean, we have ample deer where we're at. Um, it's, it's a little harder to hunt because it's such big woods. Um, so the deer kind of, you know, they roam, you know, throughout these woods and we've been trying to put food plots in inside the woods to kind of channel some of that and funnel some of that movement. But yeah, the hunting where we're at is, you know, we see a lot of deer and, you know, a lot of big deer too. I mean, it's, I know our neighbor um, just North of us shot close to a 200 incher back. And yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's the quality. I mean, obviously there's smaller bucks roaming around as well, but there, there is that quality in the genetics up there where, you know, you could shoot a 200 inch deer given the right circumstances. So yeah. yeah, So it's, it's good hunting where we're at, you know, there's a lot of egg fields around too. So the deer have plenty of food, plenty of water, plenty of cover. So yeah, it's, we're in a good spot. All right. So let's talk about uh, the, the break it down even further and talk about the farm that you hunt mm-hmm. specifically you mentioned yeah. you and a couple yeah. buddies went in on a farm uh remind us again how many yeah. acres it is what the breakdown we talking ag crp timber what's the deal sure yeah so it's just uh under 150 acres um there's some buildings on it we have a little cabin little shed that we built as well um 
and mainly like i said it's it's timber heavy timber with some nice rolling hills in there we have uh, about in the woods we've made um, we went in and had a forestry wheel um, on a skid steer and cleared out about about a half an acre by my, one of my deer stands and about three quarters of an acre over on the other part by my other buddy's deer stand and then we have about just under 20 acres the last couple of years that we've planted in beans in fields too so so yeah we have a good mix um you know and then around us it's a lot of timber and you know there's egg fields around the perimeter as well so yeah so we we have 350 acres to the west of us that's all state land and that really doesn't from what we can tell just owning it for two years now it doesn't see a lot of pressure um, there's like one or two hunters that we've seen in there during deer hunting but doesn't see a lot of pressure so and then to the south of us there's a big chunk it's about 1200 acres that actually the same day we closed on our property a bible camp bought that property and nobody hunts that either so so we kind of have this big you know sanctuary around us and uh we're, we're work, really working on trying to get the deer to pull off that you know the bible camp or the state land and come over to us where we have some food in the woods so yeah but it's a it's a really nice chunk and uh yeah we've been excited just working on it you know just trying to improve it put food plots in and yeah it's really a, a labor of love trying to do all that stuff and make it better was this uh property managed for deer at all before you guys bought it it was not no um it was actually um where i live in alexandria it was my neighbor's dad that owned it and he i think he let a couple of guys hunt it a little bit and over rifle season and maybe some family members here and there but never really hunted a whole lot didn't let many people on it and I just got really lucky and just kind of stumbled into it. So my neighbor and I were talking and he said, well, I should show you this land that I think you'd like, Garrett. I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds good. And he said, oh, it's actually my dad's. And so we went up there and I met his dad and um, just a really nice guy. And he said, you know, Garrett, he goes, you should come bow hunt this. And so that's kind of how it all started. So I would go up there and I'd start, I started bow hunting this land. And unfortunately he had just lost his wife, you know, a few months before that. And so, you know, he really wanted somebody to talk to And so it'd be, you know, I'd plan maybe an hour beforehand, an hour after I got done hunting and we'd talk. And finally one night we were sitting, I'll never forget, we were sitting at his kitchen table at the cabin and we were talking about the land. He said, you know, Garrett, I'm going to sell you this land. And, you know, I was like, well, that'd be great, but I don't think I can afford it, Raymond. And, and, uh, then, you know, the next day his son, my neighbor called me and said, yeah, I understand my dad wants to sell you the land. And I was like, yeah. And, uh, so he's like, well, why don't you come over and we'll talk about it. And, uh, I went over there and talked about it and he said, well, my dad must like you. He wants to sell it to you for this price. And it was a really good price. And, I said, wow, that's, that's amazing. And I said, do you think you'd have any issues if I brought a couple of buddies in on it, a couple of high school buddies? And he said, nope, not at all. So I introduced them to him as well. And uh, these are two of my buddies that I grew up with my whole life. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's been really fun. You know, we've been doing it together now for two years. We bought it two years ago in August, actually. And 
yeah, we've do, been doing a lot of improvements to the cabin and the property in general. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun to be able to reconnect with them and their families and, you know, do the deer hunting thing on top of it. And yeah, it's, it's just been a really fun, fun experience. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man, I, that, that's an awesome story for multiple reasons, but the land, a current landowner sees that you have passion for the outdoors, passion for the land and says, listen, I want to sell it to you because I know that when I'm gone, you're going to take care of this. And in a way, every time a landowner kind of goes away, a little piece of them kind of stays there. Right. And then there's this history with that. And that's, that is so cool. Um, I've had, here's a funny story. I don't know if I've ever told this. This was in the 90s when the television industry really started to blow up as far as um, hunting television shows. And some of these really big companies, yeah. I, don't, I think they were saying getting investors to come buy this ground so that they can film all these television shows on it. Well, one day, my, one of my best friends, his grandpa, owned a, a sh- mm. 480 acres in primetime Iowa, right? Down where, close to where I hunt now. Guy comes up with a briefcase full of cash. This is no joke. It says, I will buy your (laughs) land from you right now, today. Here's this much money in a briefcase. More money than this guy's ever seen. More money than this guy's ever made from from farming. More money than, you know, his, his family would probably ever see. And he looks at him. And says, get off my property (laughs) because he knew (laughs) that this guy didn't give a shit about the property. All they wanted to do was go and try to manage it and shoot big deer off of it and not really care about anything else. They probably wouldn't care about the relationship with the neighbors and all that stuff. So, um, I like, I like stories like that. That's a long way of saying I like stories like that. Yeah. No. Oh yeah. It's, it was great, you know, I mean, just, uh, and unfortunately, the man we bought it from, Raymond, he has passed away now, too, and, you know, but it's it's fun, we, I definitely hold pride in, you know, when we do things out there, and just, like, I always say, well, I hope Raymond would like this, and, you know, I talk to his son a lot, too, and, you know, just, you know, hoping that, you know, his dad would be proud of what we've done to the land and the place. And yeah, it's, it's a pretty special spot for our family and my other two buddies and their families too. Yeah. Uh, so this is a question that I kind of always ask myself, you know, and one reason I typically don't go in on leases with anybody because I have a, you know, go get them mentality where, I want to be mobile. I want to go where the deer are. If a deer is, you know, if I know in a morning hunt, a deer's over here, I want to go over there, right? Or a deer's over here, I'm going to go chase them. So what is it like to balance a property with other people who, you know, in a roundabout way, all want the same thing. Everybody wants to go out and, you know, shoot a really big buck. So how do you guys manage a three-person team like that to where in a way it's all fair for everybody yeah yeah so i'm pretty lucky in the sense that one of my buddies never really deer hunted before this going into this it was just kind of he 
he just never had. I think he deer hunted maybe once in high school when we were growing up. And uh, um, so I don't really have to contend too much with him. Um, he just, he comes up and rifle hunts and he's satisfied with that, but he's totally involved with helping with food plots and doing things to better the property. Um, so that's, that's a nice partner because he doesn't bow hunt either. Um, my other buddy does bow hunt and, but he lives down in Minneapolis, which is about two hour, two and a half hours away from the property. So he doesn't get up quite as much. So I'm pretty spoiled Dan in in this aspect that I'm 25 minutes from the property. So I, I do reap those benefits a little bit that I'm able to get up there and, you know, bow hunt a little bit more than everybody else. And, uh, so it, we just work it out. And when my, my other buddy that does come, bow hunt comes up, we just work it out, you know, and I'm happy to, you know, not bow hunt or do something different that day. And, you know, if he's up with his family and they're bow hunting and, you know, at this point, luckily it hasn't really been an issue at all. You know, when he's been up, a lot of times we've been on another trip doing something else as a family. So, um, yeah, it, it, it really hasn't been much of an issue at this point. So knock on wood, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you hear these horror stories about how friendships like 20 year friendships crumble yeah. over a deer yeah. or people, yeah. you know, or it's like, I don't know. I, and I, I just, that's yeah. one reason I've never wanted to do it because, you know, I, I never, I would never choose a deer over a friendship. So, yeah. man, no. I, it's crazy to, 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 I mean, I, I've seen it firsthand uh, and it's, it's yeah. to the point where they get evil towards each other and then nothing and then they're done it's just like a a wasted friendship yeah yeah i you know i mean we've been friends our whole life i think the earliest picture we have each other is at my second birthday party (laughs) so and i'm 46 now so you know we've been friends for 44 years and um obviously we'd never want anything to come in between and we talked a lot about that when we went into this and we formed an llc um, and we have bylaws in there and we've tried to cover every little detail as much as we could think of, you know, from, you know, some, God forbid somebody passing away, um, to, you know, divorce or anything like that. You know, we tried to cover any unusual mishap that could happen just to make sure that, you know, we're all protected and nothing like that would ever get in the way of anything. And, and, you know, as far as the deer too, I mean, you know, I think we're all pretty laid back enough where we understand, you know, you know, I, I'd be happy if my buddy shot the deer I'd been chasing or, you know, I think he would too, you know, and so we've been friends long enough where that I would be just as happy if he shot it, this big one that I was chasing or vice versa. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, knock on wood, though, Dan, you, you bring up a valid point. We definitely tried to cover all of our tracks with that, but I know things could still happen, and hopefully that never does happen. Yeah. What? Uh, let me ask you this. How, how often do you guys get to go out and hunt that property as a threesome all together and have kind of a, a quote-unquote hunt camp? Yeah, so that we're our second year into it, um, one of my buddies, he still goes up and hunts with his father-in-law and 
that side of the family um, up in, I guess, north, northern central Minnesota. So he, he doesn't hunt with us first weekend. My other buddy and I go out for rifle hunting. We'll hunt that together. Um, but now my all three of us, last year we hunted second weekend together. Um, and then we have uh, a guy's weekend. We're getting all of our high school buddies together in September. We're going to do a duck hunt up there. So we're starting to establish some traditions now that we got the cabin kind of redone and, you know, everything set up. And so hopefully we can do an annual duck hunt with our high school buddies as well in September. And then, you know, now hopefully we'll be able to do two weekends of rifle hunting together and then kind of sprinkle in some some bow hunting in there as well. So hopefully all three of us can get up there a little bit more together. Gotcha. Do you guys have um, any rules? I know you mentioned something about bylaws, but I'm talking about rules where, you know, if it's a two-year-old, can't shoot them. Is this a shoot whatever you feel like camp? Is it a uh, managed camp? How do you, uh, or farm, how do you, how do you, like, do you have any laws or rules that you guys have uh, decided upon? Yeah. I mean, we, we all kind of, I'm, we're, we're trying to do the quality deer management, you know, take some does off, um, only shoot, you know, bigger bucks. Um, you know, I guess we've kind of left it up to the individual. Um, you know, my one buddy that hasn't hunted a, a lot. Um, first year we were out rifle hunting, he was sending me video from his iPhone of different bucks that he was passing up. And I'm like, man, good for you. You know, for a guy who's never shot a buck before and he's sitting there passing up these deer, some nice eight pointers and letting them go. So, you know, we all kind of quality deer manage it and, you know, we're, we're hoping to, you know, just take more does and let the, the, you know, the nice eights grow up and to be bigger bucks. And, you know, it, but at the same time, we're not just drawing our a line in the sand and saying, you know, don't shoot that. Um, if somebody feels excited and they want to shoot the buck that's in front of them, you know, there's not going to be any hard feelings if they do. But um, so far, you know, we've we've restrained and we've passed up some nice bucks that hopefully this year will be even bigger. And um, you know, my partners have done the same. So that's awesome. Good thing. It yeah. sounds like you guys ha- are all on the same page. Uh, you're going into yeah. it with like with realistic expectations and all kind of, you know, having the friend, you know, the friends first mentality. And I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah hopefully, you know, I mean, that's that's our goal and that's what we tried to set up and hopefully that continues. So. Yeah. So what about going out west to elk hunt? Because. Yeah. <laughs> This is a poison um, for me because it's a, the first time I heard a elk bugle in real life, I about pooped my pants and it was like 800 yards away. <laughs> okay. Then we got closer uh, yeah. and I heard an elk bugle at 40 yards. And yeah. this experience changed my life to the point where I equally think about whitetails and elk the same and not necessarily elk, but just Western adventures, right? Going out there. I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow for Colorado, uh, with just my wife and we're going to go out there and putz around for like three or four days. And I am 
just jacked to go on my mule deer hunt to, you know, to go on these other, uh, start going on these other hunts, saving money for big, like adventure style hunts. What drew you to that, those kind of hunts? Um, you know, I think it was a buddy of mine initially. Um, you know, I'd always watched him on TV growing up and just thought, oh, that would be awesome. You know, and I'd been out skiing out West. So I, I knew I loved the mountains and, um, yeah. And then I just remember a buddy was going out elk hunting and a guy dropped out of their group. This was rifle hunting the first time I went out and a guy dropped out and he's like, Hey, do you want to go? yeah absolutely you know i was single at that time and uh yeah so i went out there and i was lucky enough first morning shot a nice five by five and so obviously you know hook line sinker i was hooked you know and um yeah we had a great year too we we ended up um four for four for bulls and then another buddy shot a cow he had a cow tag so we were five for four and we went out a few days early. So obviously that was just the perfect storm. And, um, you know, that kind of got me hooked, you know, cause I was like, Oh, this is going to be every year. You know, this is awesome. And obviously we know that's not the reality of it. Especially <laughs> when I started bow hunting them out West. And so, yeah, took a, took a nice piece of humble pie there, but yeah, it's, it's just amazing out there. I mean, there's just something about it. I mean, you talk about it all the time on your show and, um, yeah, there's just something about being out on the, out on the mountains and just those aspens and just hearing those bulls bugling back at you and coming in and yeah, there's nothing like it. Where do you spend most of your time on your elk hunts? So last year I was down in Pagosa Springs area, um, in South Central Colorado, Colorado. Okay. Yep. So I've done a couple trips in Colorado, well, quite a few in Colorado, and then one in Montana. So yeah, but uh, the one last year was it was an amazing hunt. Unfortunately, I didn't shoot one, but I had every every awesome encounter every day. That you know, just one little thing here and there, as you know, you know, just the wind pops up swirls on you or a cow stands up that you didn't know was bedded there and you know obviously the bull's gone so but yeah i had awesome encounters every day and um yeah it was just it was really fun yeah i i i took i took this year off and for elk hunting because next year okay you know i'm i think i mentioned in um some some of the other podcasts that I'm putting seven points into Wyoming, right? So I'm gonna try to I'm yeah. gonna try to draw Wyoming a uh, couple decent units in Wyoming with seven seven preference points, and I wanted to take a year off just to basically tell my wife that I couldn't, you know, I didn't yeah. go elk hunting last year, right? I mean, I'm yeah. I'm going mule deer hunting, <laughs> but uh, yep. it's one of those things where. Uh, I wanted to save up some money. I wanted to do this next in 2021 big. I'll turn 40 and, uh, I'm, I'm trying to do, I want to do it right. I want to do it big. Um, I, I never scouted out in Colorado or excuse me in Wyoming. So, uh, I might hire a guide. I'm not, I'm unsure of that yet, but, uh, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm almost, I don't want to say I already am, but I'm almost looking for towards 2020 already and i know there's a lot of 2020 left but man that's gonna be kind of a big dream for me to go hunt wyoming yeah 
good for you. That'll be that'll be really fun. Yeah, I know, and especially for your fortieth, you should treat yourself. You know, <laughs> I, I I remember sitting next to a guy on an airplane one time, and I was flying somewhere for work, and sat next to this guy. I started talking to him, and he was like big hunter, loved to go out west and do different crazy hunts, sheep hunts, and he said, "I worked my whole life, Garrett, so that I could." retire and go on all these great hunts and he said you know if i could give you one bit of advice do as much as you can when you're young when you're healthy and you can actually do them because now that i'm older and have the money and the time to do it my body isn't there to do it and i've tried to always kind of keep that in the back of my head and you know try to do as as much as i can and obviously my family comes first now but uh you know yeah when, you, yeah. when we have our health and we're still able to do it, we got to get out there and do it. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. Um, my, I got some shitty knees. Uh, I got a, yeah. from playing sports growing up and yeah. mostly from being dumb, you know, <laughs> in my youth. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I'll tell you right now, I, I am, I, I'm not struggling with anything right now, but I can see we're in seven years you know, eight years that my knees actually might become an issue. And I've already been to the doctor and they've said, Hey man, uh, you are too young to get knee replacements. So basically tough it up, buttercup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I know. I don't know. You better tell your wife, Dan, that you need to get this one out of your way. I know. For 40. I know. Blow it out. Um, yeah, right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, you know, I've already started this crazy workout regimen where I, I'm trying to get in more shape and, you know, taking care of my health, all these things. And, uh, just trying to do what treat my body right. So that next year when I do, yeah. you know, draw some kind of tag, I am, yeah. you know, I, I have a little bit more physically, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more fit and more, yeah, uh, capable of, of doing that stuff. So we'll see what happens. Plus who yeah. wants to be a complete fat ass going out uh, <laughs> into the mountains and wasting uh, seven years worth of preference points and, you know, yeah. potentially thousands of dollars and all the gear that you've bought and everything that you've trained for, because, you know, you can't make it up the mountain. I've learned my lesson once on that. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's just, kind of in general too i mean it just helps the family life too you're more yeah. apt to be running around with the kids and being active with the family when you're in shape too so that's a fact yeah i'm in this i'm in the same boat i got a dad bod that you know trying <laughs> to get back into shape as well so the old dad bod <laughs> yes sir that's right <laughs> well i tell you what man i really appreciate you um last minute jumping on the podcast today and, and just bsing with me a little bit let me be the first to wish you good luck this upcoming season, man, and keep me posted. Hey, thanks, Dan. No, it was a pleasure getting on with you, and I enjoyed listening to you, and um, I wish you the best of luck this fall, too. We'll have to stay in touch. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout-out to Garrett. Huge shout-out to you. Huge shout-out to all of the partners at the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, Vortex, the Average Conservationist, Lone Wolf, Vortex, already said those, Wasp, and Ozonix. Please go out, support the companies that support this podcast, support conservation, support your family, um, love one another, love your neighbor, 
send good vibes out. You'll get good good vibes back. All that hippie shit. I love you. Take care, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>